Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by National Roper Supply. NRS has been providing quality Western wear and horse tack since 1989, and they are proud to be the number one Western store in the USA. From functional and fashionable Western wear and horse tack to essential livestock and horse supplies, NRS carries the products you need at prices you can afford. NRS is a one-stop shop for all things Western. NRS also carries our new line of modern cowboy brand apparel, caps, t-shirts, and hoodies. And for our listeners, use your special discount code MODERNCOWBOY at checkout for 10% off your entire purchase. And remember, Modern Cowboy is the brand for the cowboy in all of us. Where are you cowboys and cowgirls at? Hey everybody, this is Dan Hillenbrand and welcome to Modern Cowboy, the podcast for the cowboy lifestyles and businesses around the world. I'm glad you're here, so sit back in your saddle and prepare to be inspired, motivated, educated, and entertained as I interview a new guest each week that embodies the modern cowboy. Every Friday afternoon, I hitch up the trailer. Saddle up old rock and ice down a cooler. I drive that old back road until it ends at the rope and pin. We got them rusted out pickups and fancy rigs $20,000 horses, then there's my own stick Although we're all the same The minute we ride in to the roping pen Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Modern Cowboy Podcast. Um, I'm really excited to have my guest on today, uh, Adrian Brannon. Uh, I, I would say that she is, for lack of better terms, uh, the poster child for the um, greatest smile in, in the world. Uh, I, I think that's the thing I noticed about her most when I when I first came across her her music and, and seeing her on social media it was this like amazing smile. So, uh, anyway, I know there's a lot more to her than a smile because we've got to know each other a little bit before we uh, started planning uh, this this or recording this podcast. But I'm super excited to have her on today. Find out what she's got going on. She also has a brand called Make America Cowboy again, which is super cool. Uh, so, without any further ado, Adrian, welcome to the Modern Cowboy Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to get to meet you and hang out today. I've already had so much fun getting to talk before we. Uh, we started recording. This is this is awesome. Good way to spend a Friday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's it's funny because we talked the other day as well, and we we had some sort of similar circumstances. Uh, and I don't know if we're going to talk about it or not, but uh, uh, anyway, then we talked. I'm, we game, talk I'm game for anything. <laughs> oh yeah, and we talked then, and then we we talked this morning a little bit, and I said, you know, we better hit record because we're talking about a good a lot of good <laughs> material here that uh, is is just kind of coming up. So. Anyway, glad to have you on. Um, just tell us where, where where do you live at now? Anyway, so nowadays I am north of Stephenville, Texas. I moved actually two years ago in February. I moved to Texas, which is just was one of the best things I ever did. Um, I was born in California, which that sounds like a bumper sticker. That's one of those things that right. people are like, "Oh gosh, you're from California." Um, and it, it took me a really long time to get to Texas, but a decade ago, um, the Working Ranch Cowboys Association based out of Amarillo uh, hired me to come out and, and sing um, for a rodeo. And I fell in love with Texas. The first two places that I came were Alpine and Amarillo. And I was like, 
this place is amazing. I love the people. This feels like home. I need to live here. And it wasn't until two years ago when I woke up and realized, you know, if I never leave, I'm never going to leave. I'm going to leave. <laughs> and, and it's, yeah, it's fantastic. I love it here. Now, where, where are you from in California? So I'm from a town called Ventura. Um, my folks actually met when my mom was, well, let's see, when my mom was 15 there and uh, her family's been there for quite a long time. Um, it's south of Santa Barbara and north of LA. And it's a really cool, it's yeah. a really cool piece of country. Like, you know, California is such an amazing state and it gets such a bad rep um, from people because it's not cool. And, you know, there's the whole cliche, oh, they're from California, but there's an, an amazing ag industry there. And there's such an incredible, incredible um resource of wilderness and there's no other place that I know that you could be, you know, in the mountains, um, like in Las Padres and then an hour and a half later be at the beach. It's, it's a really, it's a beautiful place, Well, but I, I just can't live there. Yeah. Well, no. crazy. yeah well, I think what we're, what we're talking about is we're talking about the politics there in California, because I'm from California. I'm from Northern California. Uh, and are you really where, yeah. where in California? Uh, well, ab above Sacramento, I, I was actually uh, raised in a little in a little place up there called Citrus Heights, and then we lived in um, Loomis, which is right below uh, Auburn. I don't know if you know where that we is. We were in we were outside of Williams for oh. um, almost a decade. Yeah. So I know exactly where you're talking about. Hi. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, neighbor. It, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because we we had a, a little small ranch in Lincoln. Uh, and when I was growing mm -hmm. up, it, we everybody called it stinking Lincoln and nobody wanted to live there. But it, it's a, a huge metropolis now. But the flying you was about oh, 30 minutes from our place, you know, Cotton Rosser's place. And yeah. um, anyway, it, it, it's, it's just it's a beautiful area. But, you know, the politics there are, are crazy. Matter of fact, I'm getting ready. I'm going to have uh, Jason. Um, oh, his last name's uh, Patella, I think he's running for assembly, state assembly there um, out of the Calusa oh, really? area. Yeah. So. Uh, and he's oh, very cool. Yeah. So anyway, but I, I'm, I'm disagreeing with you. Uh, you know, California has, I mean, huge ranching ag industry and, uh, yeah. you know, it's just, it's a beautiful state, but the politics are run by San Francisco and, you know, the deep part of LA. Yeah. But. It's, it's really difficult because I feel like people also, you know, they demonize what they don't know. And right. so many people look at it and, and think it's, it's LA, but in the same way, people look at Nevada and think that it's Las Vegas, Right. you know, you get up to Northern California where I actually spent like the majority of the time that I lived in California was in Northern California. It's a completely different state, Northern yes. California and Southern California are two different places. Right. Um, and, and like you said, the politics, the, the politics are really difficult, but also the cost of living, and this is going to sound oh. terrible. Like one of the, one of the nemesis for me to move was we lost our home in the Thomas fire. And oh. I, and, and I'll just be super honest. I could not afford to live in that state. Again, it, yeah. the prices were hiked up. I mean, it was crazy. The cost of diesel and, yeah. and heck the, the cost of a gallon of milk, it just, it went through the roof and, and I'm not of the mind that I'm going to work myself to the bone just to exist. Right. I like, I love life. I want to enjoy life. And it's, it's really difficult when they're making such an incredible place. So, so hard to just live in. Yeah. It's yeah. really, it's well, tragic. Somehow I, I feel in my heart, you know, that the, 
I, I, for lack of better description, the wrath of the Lord will descend on that state someday soon. And it's, it's going to come back to go West young man again and, uh, or young woman, um, because there's so many, re- <laughs> there's so many resources there and it's such a great state that, you know, it, it needs, um, you know, good people living there, but Anyway, we kind of got off on a tangent on that, but that's okay. Man, I, I feel like the world should just listen to us. We're, we're going to figure out and solve all the problems. Yeah, ab- absolutely. <laughs> one podcast. <laughs> so, so let's let's talk about let's talk about you now. Um, I mean, you're you're a, a music artist. Uh, you um, do a lot of uh, ranching things that I see anyway. I know you participate in the in the. Uh, Oh gosh, what is it? The you just mentioned it. The uh, Working Ranch mm-hmm. uh, Association. Um, yeah, the WRCA, the WCRA, yeah, the, yeah, the Working yeah. Ranch Cowboys Association. Yes. Yeah, you know, I've been I've been really blessed. I have a very um, I have a very weird life. I'm very weird. So whenever people say, um, you know, what are you? I go, that's a really good question. I I am a very odd person, um, and I don't like to be confined to one to one little box. Um, right. So I started out. I started out um, in music actually when I was when I was thirteen. I started seeing opera, and when I was fourteen, I kind of made the switch randomly um, to cowboy music because I was writing about um, you know horses and weather and all of that. And kind of like you, there's a lot. It's interesting. I look back now, like a decade or more um, back, back on my career, and I see a lot of misinformation of where people have like misquoted me, and it drives me crazy in right. interviews. And I always yeah. want to say, I was not raised 110% on a ranch. Right. I spent a lot of time on really cool places as a kid, but when I was four, we moved overseas. And so I have a really weird background of it's not just. I was raised on a ranch and I have this cowboy background. You know, my dad was a saddle maker and a cowboy. He was not a rancher. And that kind of mingled with being overseas and being just fully immersed in classical music and art and languages and, and history and all of that. And so my, my writing really, um, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a weird blend of experiences. It's not just the ranch and it's not just being horseback. It's, it's kind of a combination, but that was where I really found, um, joy in writing about things. And nowadays, um, I'm getting ready to record the, uh, the fifth album, which is so exciting going to the studio next month. Nice. And the last one, Desert Doll and Mama did, it was crazy. It was the only um, independent album that charted in the top five on Billboard. Really? And I have no idea how it did that. It was it was crazy. Um, so this is kind of an exciting follow up with this with this album. I'm stoked about. So so how long have you been uh, performing? I mean, do you have like a a, a a one band that you play with all the time, or a band that you play with on the road? or a, a different studio band. How's that work? So again, I'm super weird. I did my first, my first pain performance was when I was 14 um, in New Mexico at the Lindsay theater, actually. And I remember going, wait a second, they just paid me to come and sing songs right. that I wrote. That is so crazy. Wow. And then I, I never quit. So I toured um, about a hundred, hundred plus days out of the year, uh, as a teenager, right up until my my senior year of high school, um, I did school all on the road. And 
I was really, really blessed. I worked with Tom Russell when I was 17. We did my, um, let's see, it was my second or third album. Second mm-hmm. album, Boots and Pearls. I have to think about that. Gosh, I'm getting old. <laughs> um, my, my second album, Boots and Pearls. And he introduced me to Wave Lab Studio there in, in Tucson, Arizona. And because of that, um, Craig Schumacher introduced me to some incredible guys that are my my kind of core band now. Um, Nick Luca, he plays for Iron and Wine, Winston Watson. Um, he drummed for Bob Dylan on the Never Ending Tour. I have a great Chris Gambaluka, who's my bass player, he's just an amazing, uh, amazing group of really solid guys that I feel comfortable playing with. But the majority of the time I'm touring by myself. So um, I did like at the height of when I was really, really touring a ton, I was doing 200 plus days out of the year um, and going to school full time simultaneously. And that was really, really exhausting. Um, I got really burned out actually, uh, which I, I hate to admit, but to be completely transparent, it's just, it wasn't sustainable for who I actually am as a person. Um, I'm a huge introvert contrary to popular belief. (laughs) And, uh, it was interesting. You know, you talk about God coming and making an impact. Um, when we lost, when we lost our home in the Thomas fire, it was kind of a, a wake up call for me um, because I suffered really terrible smoke inhalation um, from being in in the home when it was, when it was burning. And um, I couldn't sing for a year and a half, almost two years. And it was, it was so weird. It was, it was, you know that part in The Little Mermaid, if you've ever seen that, where yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Ariel loses her voice? Yeah. And she's just kind of sitting there going, wait a second, where did it go? That's how I felt. And, you know, I was raised by really, I was raised by very tough, kind people that demanded a lot out of their children. And right. I always figured I could just push through anything. I could fight through it. And I, I really to this day, feel like God was saying, Adrian, I have plans for you. You're not listening to me. And now I'm going to get your attention. So I'm taking your voice and basically I'm taking your toy until you sit up and listen to what I need you to do with your life. Um, and it was, it was, it was really difficult. I ended up canceling, um, like I said, for almost a year and a half, two years and letting my voice heal. And I was really blessed that I got to spend that time, um, on a ranch in, in Northern Utah and, uh, and just be outside. I was off grid. Um, and I graduated, um, with my, with my degree during that time, um, and just wrote and, and rode and took care of cows and fed cows and was out outside. And, um, it's been interesting kind of coming back from that because my voice, it can't handle, it can't handle 200 dates out of the year. Right. It probably couldn't handle a hundred dates out of the year right now. I did, right. um, in 2021, I did six shows, I think, including WRCA, the world championships there in Amarillo and the NFR in, in Las Vegas. And those were amazing. They were incredible. And it was really fun being able to say, okay, I'll take, you know, my top five, top six shows that I want to do. And that's, that's it. Um, Kind of trying to be kind to the voice has been a a learning process. (laughs) 
tell tell me about the fire now what year was this exactly and then and you were in the house just kind of take us through that a little bit it's a little weird so don't mind me i'll get i'll get upset um well just you just say tell what you want to tell well i'm i'm super open about it but it's actually interesting because i didn't realize until this last year how how truly bothered i was by it so um and it's thomas fire hit ventura december uh, i believe it was december 4th uh, 2017 and um we were evacuated we were actually we were really really lucky we were so blessed that we we knew the fire was coming but of course you don't think that it's actually going to like when we were when we were in northern california my mom and i evacuated with horses like i don't know four or five times right but the fires were always turned um and so we kind of we knew the drill like we got some guns i got my saddle i got i got my one guitar that is insured and i did not get the other guitars that were not (laughs) insured um and then my my dad and i um ended up in the home when it was burning and um i thought that my dad I heard him yelling and I thought that he was trapped in the house because the roof was, everything was burning. And I thought he was in the back of the house. And I don't know why I thought it was like that. I was going to be capable of pulling him out or something. Like I'm not going to be able to pull a 200 pound dude in cowboy boots or red wings, you know, out of the back of the house. But I like, was like, Oh, I'm going to go get my dad. So I went into the house and, and didn't realize that he was, in the backyard, not the back room, which oh. makes me feel really ditzy looking back on it that I didn't realize that. But I just heard, you know, there's a fire is really loud. Like yeah. when homes are are on fire, it's it's loud. There's yeah. roaring. You can't hear a lot. Um, and so I kind of got I kind of got stuck in the in the back of the house. I actually had a sweater, the sweater I was wearing when I came out. I had embers that had fallen like from the roof and I caught my sweater and my hair on fire. And I had it for a long time with just these burn holes in it. And I, I didn't, I didn't really realize, um, I didn't, I didn't realize how bad it was for, like I said, for like months afterwards. And even now, like this last year, um, I'll wake up and I'll have nightmares about fires and go, okay, do I smell anything? Right. I'll get up and I'll go check the kitchen or I'll go check stuff. So it was, it was not, um, it was not a great experience. Actually, I would venture so far as to say a little traumatizing. Yeah. Um, but I think like most really difficult things in our life, God used it as a way to, and I hate to say this, but if I'm selfishly thinking about it from just my perspective, I think he used it to get my attention. And I'm right. really thankful that he did. Um, I ended up writing my first book because of that, because I couldn't tour. And I finally sat down and was able to actually get the words out. So it ended up being a big blessing in disguise in some ways. Yeah. Well, now that you mentioned that, I, I, I'd seen that before. <laughs> I haven't read the book yet, but when, when did when did that come out? Your book. I will send you, I will send you a copy. I actually just finished the second volume um, last week, which is exciting because it's a hundred poems. Um, Dear Cowgirl volume one, uh, Letters to Women was actually, so in 2016, uh, a young woman wrote me um, and I'm, I'm very open and transparent 
about my my experiences and and mm-hmm. stuff like that um so stop me if i'm too honest because sometimes i i can be a little a little too uh too transparent i think but i um i'm a survivor of domestic violence and in in intense sexual violence um and a young woman wrote me after a article was released in western horseman where i said something about this and god bless katie frank um i don't know why she i don't know why she allowed me to talk about that in western horseman but she did mm-hmm. and i don't know why i spoke about it but i did and this young woman had read it and she wrote me and she was asking basically how do i get out of this abusive situation that i'm in without you know getting my animals or myself killed and i don't know what to do and at that time i was still kind of drowning myself quite frankly i wasn't i wasn't doing well and i hadn't recognized how what had happened to me had impacted my life so intensely and but i but i knew that i needed to write her back and it was it was very difficult um it was very emotional for me to go okay how badly i wish somebody had reached out to me when they had maybe recognized certain signs. Um, And so instead of writing her back with her name, I wrote this kind of public letter, Dear Cowgirl, and I posted it, you know, just to Dear Cowgirl, not to her. Um, And then I ended up actually becoming friends with her later on. And we're we're still in touch and we still, but she kind of kicked off this, this whole, almost a a public letter chain um, called Dear Cowgirl. And I've really struggled with it, quite frankly, because it's really hard when you know God is using you to do something bigger than you. And in my humanity, sometimes I want to be like, no, 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 no. This is too hard. I don't want to do this. And I'll try and run away and he'll be like, okay, so come on back. So I, I have this purpose for you and I'm using you. So get with the program. Um, and it, it just kind of grew through social media. And now I write maybe a letter or two a week um, that I'll post on Instagram and Facebook. And sometimes I'll do little videos that go on YouTube, but every letter, it's not like I sit down and I write a bunch of letters and then I post them throughout you know, the week. Every right. letter is written the day that I post it. And it's something usually that I'm struggling with myself because I feel like everybody kind of struggles with the same things. We all go through the same really difficult, hard things in life, but just nobody talks about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like we we were talking right before the podcast, we were talking about social media and how I was talking about how I disconnected from so much of the social media and, and, you know, we go, people are on social media. We're trying to, you know, have, which is fine. Sometimes, you know, you want to put a nice picture of, you know, you and your, whatever you're doing, but sometimes it just gets to where it becomes an obsession and it's a, a nightmare in the long run. It really run. is. It's, it's, it's really, I think it's really, you know, social media and technology is a tool. Mm-hmm. And I think we forget that a lot of the time it is a tool and we have yeah. allowed it to run our lives. I've allowed it to run my life many oh, times, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. but I've also like it, it, you're a healthier, happier person when you control it. It, 
doesn't control you. Like, and like we were talking about, you know, disconnecting, deleting things like Snapchat, getting off of Twitter and just allowing yourself only a couple of times a day to check those if your job depends on it. Leaving your phone and turning off your phone is just the most, oh, wonderful feeling. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm thankful for technology in these kinds of situations, but it is difficult to yeah. harness it. So so you re, you released one book, which is a series of poems, Dear Cowgirl, right? Yes. And, and now you got a second volume coming yes, out, sir. you said? I do. Yes, sir. So the first one, Letters to Women, I think there were 35 poems in it. And okay. it was, quite frankly, I wasn't expecting it to do kind of like everything, I guess, actually. I'm I'm pretty naive. I'll just do something because my gut is telling me to do it. And, right. and quite frankly, because I'm an artist, I'll do something because it's painful to not do it. It's painful right. to not write the song. It's painful to not see what it would sound like if I tried a cello and an electric guitar and a song about about bucking horses. It's right. it's painful to not write poetry. Um so a lot of things I feel like kind of happen by accident after years of hard work not exactly knowing what is going to come to fruition after that hard work um but it did really well and we just released um the second edition of that first volume which is updated and and redone and it's just a, a way better quality um and then the second volume like i said i just finished writing it this last week and we're going to be opening up pre-orders i'd hope to have it in time for january 1st but quite frankly, um, with what I've had going on, um, life-wise as well, simultaneously, it just wasn't feasible. Um, but we're, we're going to be opening up pre-orders for that, uh, in March and it's a hundred poems and proper chapters and it has reading resources. And, um, it's got this, this glossary for feelings so you can go to the front of the book and it'll say on days where you're struggling with your body image go to poem number you know 73 on days when you're angry with your mom go to poem two um you know et cetera et cetera um and like you said there's a hundred poems there and it really it was quite challenging actually because it was one of those things that i went okay i'm going to sit down and purposefully write a book with chapters and i'm going to talk about things that i haven't talked about before because like i said there's a lot of misinformation a lot of things out there that i go well that's not exactly true but i'm not going to go around correcting people so it was it was kind of a really uh challenging experience to sit down and go okay let's be really real and and put out a hundred pieces of art and explain them to people. So That's I'm excited great. about it. I'm relieved it's done too. <laughs> now, now you, you said you finished your degree. What was your degree and what'd you major in? Uh, international relations with a concentration on Middle Eastern studies. No kidding. <laughs> yes, That's, That's super interesting. Because I'm, I'm weird. I I'm very interested. I'm fascinated by politics and I, and I love, um, I love history. I grew up really, really passionate about fur trade history, anything pre 1840, mm-hmm. um, which I got from my dad and then really started, um, kind of in my, I guess, early twenties when I, when I first went to university, like the first 
the first time I stepped foot in a, in a college classroom was my first time in a classroom ever because I was homeschooled. So I was that weird kid that didn't know how to like raise their hand, (laughs) but loved history and was so excited to talk philosophy and, and, and ethics with everybody, but I didn't know how to do it. Um, I just really love learning and you know, even when I, after I graduated, I still have been taking classes, um, just for fun because I like, I like to learn and I read a lot. Um, it's kind of one of those constant, constant things that I think if you're a lifelong learner, you don't have to be in school to be learning, but I think we forget that sometimes. Absolutely. (laughs) So you mentioned, you know, that you're, fascinated with history and, and you love learning and, and, uh, I mean, you do a lot of things. I, obviously you're an artist, uh, but you've got a brand too, uh, called make America cowboy again. Correct. Yes, sir. And it's obviously, yes, sir. obviously there's a play on, you know, you know, make America great again, <laughs> um, which I think is super cool. And I love, um, I think one thing that I, I, I really like too is, uh, on your Instagram page, it's, it says your snowflake cousin's least favorite store, which I think is hilarious. That's terrible. No, it's not. I'm, I'm... I, I think it's great. And then I kind of then... let my freak flag fly with make with Maca a little bit in ways that maybe I wouldn't have before. Cause it's, it's so fun. <laughs> I'm terrible. And then the other thing I like too, is it's red, white, and cowboy unapologetic, unapologetically American. So, and, and then your, your website's buckaroogirl.com. So let's, let's talk about, um, uh, this brand and, and how you got it started and, and, you know, what was the, uh, you know, what, what inspired you to do that? Well, it's actually a little weird. So kind of along the same lines of what we were, we were talking about with um with school i at, at when i went to school i went a little um i was a little unorthodox in how i went about it i really was not completely happy with where i was in life and i decided that i needed a big change so i built a little um tiny house in the back of my pickup and I took off across America and I did my, I did my undergrad online actually. And I, I lived out of my truck for almost two years, um, and toured and, and did my school out of my truck, um, which it's really fun writing papers in Yellowstone and Yosemite. I'm just throwing it out there. That's a great way to go, to go chase your degree. Um, but around the same time, I, this just, it's so goofy. I had this idea and I thought, well, this will be, this would be a fun cap to me because it was right after, you know, the elections um, right. and the world had become so angry. Right. It was so funny to me how there could be such a division. And it was so tragic as well to see the division. I had, I had family members that wrote me that were like, I assume, and I'm going to add the assume in here, but yeah. I know how you probably think Um, you should just unfriend me right now. And I was shocked. I was, I was really shocked by how angry people got. And I, it made me sad, but it also kind of, it was, it was almost like a social experiment. So if I make this red and white hat and I wear it, how are you going to treat me differently? Um, and your, my answer was I wore it into a post office in Southern California and a grown woman 
flipped out. And I thought she was going to hit me. Um, and she came up yelling and screaming at me and was like, you are the problem with this country. You know, had her finger in my face. And I said, ma'am, read the hat. And she read it and she goes, oh, well, that's really irresponsible of you to wear. And yeah. I thought, wow, what a funny example of of how divided we are that we could we could attack somebody that we don't know for something right like a hat um so it's been it's been really interesting the the reaction to the brand has been amazing not what i expected i used to ship out orders from my truck um usually when i lived in my truck i would get like a hotel room once every week and a half once every week um or when a, a show would get me a hotel and then I would, um, I'd go through and I'd do orders and I'd package them up and then I'd, I'd send them off and I thought it was great. And now we have a warehouse um, and I don't have anything to do with the shipping and I have great people that handle it. And it just kind of grew and grew unexpectedly, but it was really funny to see how excited people were about kind of being able to wear their slogan out and about in the world and be unapologetic about it. And I you know I've had people send me pictures from the White House wearing these t-shirts. I recently had a UFC fighter who just got his American citizenship. Um, he took his first picture as an American in one of the MACA t-shirts. And I think he's got, I think he's got a um uh air. I'm not sure what he's got. He's got a weapon of some kind in his hand and he's got a cigar and you look at him and you just know that this dude is so happy to be an American. And I love that he chose to, you know, wear something from my line. And, and I love getting to see the kids, the kids wearing this stuff as well at ranch rodeos and everything, but it's, it's definitely outgrowing the Maca side of things right now. We're releasing a bunch more lines um, around Valentine's Day that right. I'm really excited about. So we're, we're kind of growing and building on that. But it's been really fun. And it's kind of been my sassy side that I've been allowed to, <laughs> right. to, to let loose a little bit. Um, you know, when you're, when you're a performer and you're 14 or 15, your parents are telling you, you know, you need to do things a certain way, even if, you know, none of us knew what I was doing with a career, but it was like, okay, you need to fit within this little box. And then, you know, as you get older, you, you want to kind of get the heck out of that box. And Maca was a really fun way to be able to be like, well, I'm not saying anything, but I'm saying something. Right. Right. (laughs) That's great. It's really cool. Um, yeah, it's so, been really fun. So now you you're, you're, you had the damage done from the smoke damage, right, with your voice, and you can't you yes, sing as much now. But but are you doing are you doing like, you know, obviously you're probably doing breath exercises and you're doing things to just recondition and rehabilitate. Um, it, what's the prognosis on that? Do, do the doctors tell you or ref so therapist or whatever? I've had. I've had one person say, you're going to need to get vocal cord surgery. Um, That's in your future, um, which Mm -hmm. I'm terrified of. Um, And so I decided that for me right now, you know, I know several people who have had that surgery and it's destroyed their voice. Um, For me, I, this is crazy. I decided to cut out as like sugar, 
and caffeine. And the caffeine thing has not worked out very well. I'm holding up a thing <laughs> of coffee. I have not been able to get off of the uh, off of the regular caffeine and coffee. I did for like three weeks at one point, but it was awful and nobody wanted to be around me. Um, and then local honey. I take probably three tablespoons of, of local um, organic honey every day. Mm-hmm. And I do vocal exercises. And I've seen a huge progression in, in my in my voice right. quality and health um, in the past year because of that. But giving it giving it rest has been really important. Um, yeah. Also learning how to sing properly. And this is going to sound really funny because in the, in the cowboy Americana folk world, we're kind of like, we're kind of like the wild West with music. I think sometimes like, Oh, we'll just go out there and go sing it, sing a show. But you know, in opera and and classical music, you're training your voice. And that did, although for a short time as a kid, it gave me a good foundation um, to build on and return to now. So I've been really focusing on trying to strengthen my voice and actually learn how to sing properly so that I am, I'm getting the most out of my instrument that I can, but that I'm also prolonging its, its health for as long as I can. Um, I'm booking probably five, five to eight shows this year. Um, just ones that I really want to go do with people that I love. And it's kind of, it's kind of nice being picky about them. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. You know, um, we talked before, um, I'm just going to mention it again. Uh, you record in Tucson, which is the Southern part of Arizona where, where we live here, where I live here. And, um, I've had, uh, Wacy Barta. I, I, I think you said you hadn't met him before, but Wacy, he, he rode bulls and he's got a company called where they buck. And he puts on these big events where there's a bull riding and concerts and so uh, he's opening a new place down there in Sierra Vista, which is not too far from Tucson. And uh, it's and it's called the Punchy Tavern. That's the name of it. And <laughs> Punchy Tavern. Oh, I love it. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's super I'm going to have cool. to come check that out. Well, yeah, the thing is, is um, I, I'd just love to connect you guys because maybe you could, you know, play at one of his gigs one of these times. It'd be super great. Let's do it. Yeah. I love it. I'm always I'm always up for that. That sounds like, but you know, it's, it's funny. I I was chatting with somebody um, the other day about this year. And I said, you know, it really doesn't matter who I'm playing to. I don't care if it's two people, 200, 2000. It's just fun to make music. It really is. And it's always so much fun to to get to make music with new people and get to meet other musicians and, and hear their stories and, and hear different tunes and collaborate. That's, that's exciting. I would love that. Thank you. Yeah. 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 It's, It's super cool. And I mean, I know the last one we were at, I mean, the crowd was, was huge. Um, and, uh, and they're a lot of fun and it's super cool deal, but, um, I'm excited for him to get that open down there, but we'll definitely get everybody connected. Well, Absolutely. and I think everybody's so excited after a couple of years of being so limited oh, yeah. in what they're able to go yeah. to that, you know, having, yeah. having a, a new venue and, and the prospect of music and music, I mean, I'm going to sound so lame right now, but I'm the least cool person in the world. So I'll just go ahead and be lame. Like (laughs) art is healing. Music is, is healing. It's good for your soul. It's like, it's like being out horseback with no cell phone service in the middle of nowhere with just you and your cows. It's just good for your soul. And and on that note now, I mean, we're sitting here, we're on a zoom so I can see, I see a nice (laughs) pair of, uh, 
shotguns hanging back there. And then I see a, a set of woolies, <laughs> you know, and I've, and I've seen a lot of, a lot of, I've seen a lot of, you know, pictures and stuff of you, uh, horseback and, and working cattle and stuff. Do you work, uh, do day work or do you have cattle of your own or anything or? I don't cowboy full time. I'm really, really blessed in that I get to be an artist full time, but I do have my own little bunch of cows um, that I have in a lease that I can kind of be a, um, what do you call it? A, a little bit of a, um, a distant a distant owner of it works out really, really well for me. I kind of get the best of both worlds. So I live in Texas. Um, I run my cows in Northern Utah and I'm able oh, to go yeah. back and forth. And then I have, I have dear friends all over the country that I'm really lucky that I get to go work with really right. frequently. So I get to get horseback and, and go do what I love um, is kind of a, a byproduct of just having great friends around me a lot of the time as well. That's very cool. But no, I don't, I don't, I don't cowboy full time. And quite frankly, you know, having day worked in the past and, and loving being able to be out horseback at the same time, I can't do music and my career and cowboy full time right. um, at this point in my life. And I don't know very many people who can. It's a, it's a really romantic concept to be able to think that you could do both. Um, but at some point when you, when you reach a certain kind of level of requirement from yourself, you kind of need to be able to choose which one you're, you're doing over the other. Um, and so for me right now, that's, you know, that's my music and the, and the art and, and the plan is quite frankly, to just have more cows, more horses, more land, more cows, more horses, more land, and to keep writing music about it. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, have you, have you, um, uh, do you collaborate with anybody on your music or do you write by yourself? Has anybody else, uh, uh, sang or recorded your songs? So this is actually really exciting. This kind of ties into the, uh, to the new album. So the first, the first collaboration that I ever did was with Tom Russell, um, for my album Boots and Pearls, which was a real eye opener. And quite frankly, he kind of he kind of made this prophecy when I was 17 that stuck with me for a long time. And he's got this kind of gravelly voice. And he said, uh, you know, kid, one of these days you're going to grow up and you're going to have to stop writing this bubblegum, you know, expletive right. Of, right. Uh, of music that you're writing. You're going to have to grow up and write about real stuff. And he really challenged me. Uh, and, and collaborating with him was as a kid, quite frankly, as a 17 year old girl. Um, and as a musician, it was really challenging and required me to kind of step up my game right. in, in many ways. Um, since then I've worked, you know, with, with Tom and, and Waddy Mitchell, he and I did a song called, uh, what will I tell him and branding pen of my father. That was really, really fun. But this new album, there's going to be I think somewhere between three and five people that are going to be uh, collaborating on songs with me. Um, got quite a few duets, um, some co-writes and some really awesome voices that are going to come join me, which is exciting because I'm a little bit of an isolationist when it comes to my music. I can right. really, I'm such a hermit. I can do that with my craft as well. And I have a couple songs that I genuinely think that this will be the best piece of 
art that I've ever released this, this album. I'm so excited about these songs and having somebody else challenge me to improve them and make them better and show up in a different way on that recording and push my voice and, right. and push myself as a writer. Um, that's been really fun. So, so yeah, there's a lot of, we go into the studio next month that I'm, I'm so excited. I'm like a little kid at Christmas time. <laughs> that's, that's so, that's so great. Um, you know, I got to ask you too, you said your dad's a saddle maker and when, when I first saw your name, uh, you know, I don't know, however long ago it was, uh, I first saw, I saw it, I kind of just glanced at it and, and I thought you were um, related to Buck Branneman for some reason. <laughs> Riata and I get that a ton. Oh. We have since we were teenagers. <laughs> oh, I, I bet, you know, and then when you said your dad's a, 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 a saddle maker, I, I start, my, my mind starts spinning. I go, I start thinking of Jeremiah Watt because I know um, but, but, yes. he, but his name's not the same as yours, but for some reason I just get drawn to this no, whole thing. Daughter Nevada is my dear friend. Yeah. So it's a very small world. <laughs> it, it really is. Yeah. He actually, so dad, actually, I just realized that you can actually see like a little bit of gear over here as well. Um, yes. I, I live, I basically live surrounded by my gear. <laughs> A very in a very small space um but my dad he's 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 amazing he's a very talented very unique fellow and he um he's built all my gear i've been very spoiled since i was little quite frankly he's always had us outfitted and he might trade something you know or sell something out from underneath you but he'll always <laughs> build you something new <laughs> something new and uh he builds us a saddle my sister and i a saddle when um you know when you graduate high school and so this, this saddle, this is actually my high school graduation saddle, okay. um, but I got it last year. <laughs> so I've been asking him, you know, do I get one for getting my undergrad? Do I get one for my PhD? What right. do, do I get right. it? You know, how, how are we going to work this out? <laughs> now, what's, what's your dad's name? His name's David Brannon. David Brannon. Um, and okay. he, yeah. And he is a, uh, He's a great guy. He's still in, in Southern California with my mom and my sister. Okay. Um, so they're quite a few thousand miles away, which is really hard sometimes. Uh, but he still builds just for fun and for close friends and family. Oh, he does. And he's, he's the guy that, yeah. Yeah. He has a lot of fun kind of getting back into the shop and that's his, I think that's, I think that's almost his meditative time. Right. Um, it's difficult for him. I know because his hands are really, he, he fought for years um, and his hands are pretty messed up. And he also, you know, he got blown up in Iraq and oh, he's been shot nice. and stabbed and, and he's, oh. and he's had me as a daughter, you know, for quite a number of years. So that's hard on a fellow. <laughs> well, we, we might have to get him on the podcast. He sounds like he's got some interesting oh. stories. You should. He is so. Oh, he's ten times cooler than than I could ever hope to be. He's 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 amazing. He would be a great guy to have on on the podcast. And you guys would probably really enjoy talking about politics and stuff like that. He um he teaches uh he, he teaches some different subjects um in Monterey, and oh, he, he, does. he might be fun to to chat about current events with. Yeah. Oh yeah, that would totally be great. You you're gonna have to connect us. I'd love to do that. <laughs> okay. Hey, I will do that. <laughs> we're, we're, we're getting over uh, over an hour now, so we don't want to move into Joe Rogan time. But um, I got to ask you, because I ask, I ask everybody uh, the same three questions. Do you, do you have a favorite brand of cowboy hats? 
Uh, actually, yes. Right now, I'm I'm wearing an American, and um, I love it. It's amazing. It's fantastic. And I this is coming from a person who has had pretty a history of pretty terrible cowboy hats because I just didn't care for a really long time. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I, I go to the, uh, the best hat store in, in Fort Worth and get an American and awesome. guys get me set up there. Awesome. How about boots? You got a favorite brand of boots or. Actually. So I wear an old pair of Paul bonds and I've worn oh. Paul bonds for a really long time. Yeah. Um, I, I think part of that is that I'm, I'm still getting shorter. Um, <laughs> It feels like the older I get, the shorter I'm getting. So me, me and my underslung heels are just hoping for that little extra bit of height. <laughs> <laughs> and and how about cowboy movies? You got a favorite cowboy movie? Ooh, oh gosh, this is actually really hard. So I hate to admit this. I don't have a TV. Um, I don't okay. really watch TV. So okay. I'm not hip on, on most things. But I will say that McClintock and the Cowboys are probably my two, two of my all-time favorites. I, when, um, growing up, there was a gal in our life. She was a shepherdess at the farm we lived on in Scotland and Margaret loved John Wayne. And I think she kind of just, just, you know, gave us so much of a, um, a love of him that, yeah, I'm, I'm a little addicted to the old school, the old school John Wayne's. <laughs> yeah. Well, those are two great movies. John Wayne, the Cowboys is, one of my all-time favorites for sure. Absolutely. So um, now before we go, a couple more things. Did, I know that you uh, go to the Working Ranch Cowboy Associations and, and you sing there. Do you compete in those at all too? No, sir. So I, I've roped in town a couple of times pretty terribly. Um, <laughs> nobody wants me to rope on their team. I will say that. Um, I'm probably the least handy person I know in the entire world. Uh, and I got on my last bucket horse, gosh, a decade ago, I'd say nine years ago. Um, in Amarillo, actually, when they had their, their event out at Range Riders, uh, arena, I'm really, WRCA is amazing. Um, right. when we lost our house in the Thomas fire, they were the first people to reach out. Literally. I mean, they, they were right there on the phone. They were right there ready to help. They were right there ready to, you know, what can we do? And I've known so many people personally that have been blessed by them in really terrible situations because, you know, given a situation that you're in on a ranch, working for a family ranch or for a big corporation or as a day worker, right. your, your options with insurance are really limited, but right but your potential for being injured is huge. And, you know, their tagline is kind of, um, we give a, a hand up, not a handout. Right. And I love that. And I love being able to be a part of that team in a very small way, but it's probably my, my favorite, favorite event of the year is, is getting to go there in Amarillo for the, the world championships and watch everybody compete. It's really fun. That's great. Uh, do you, you know, uh, Buster Frierson? I do. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I had Buster on the podcast and then I had him on another a live we did one time too, but uh, super nice guy. Really nice guy. Super nice guy. It's, it's always nice to be able to know that you've got Buster in an event because if somebody gives you grief, you can just run up to him and be like, Hey dude, can you yeah. be my muscle? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> He's a handy guy to have around for that. Yeah, yeah no <laughs> doubt. 
Well, hey, Adrian, <laughs> it's been so much fun having you on and, and, and getting to know you. And, and uh, I, I know you, you'll be coming out to uh, Tucson to record. So hopefully we can, you know, connect up somehow. And I, Let's and get together it, and have a cup of coffee and talk politics. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's make America cowboy again. And uh, I love and, it. And it'd be great. <laughs> it'd be great to, uh, to um, you know, maybe get you connected with Wacy. And if you got, you never know, maybe perform at one of his deals. That could be cool. That sounds like so much fun. I would love that. Thank you so much for having me on. I so appreciate it. This this was really fun. It, it felt like just getting to sit down and, and chat with a friend over coffee. And I, I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. I love yep. seeing what you're doing. Well, I, I likewise, and uh, keep doing what you're doing. And, and I just look forward to, you know, watching your career grow and, and uh, keep following you on social media. And uh, thank you then, so much. And then, like we said, hopefully we'll meet in person one of these days. Sounds awesome. I also, can't wait. <laughs> also, also uh, talk to your dad. I'd love to have him on. I think it could be good. Yes, sir. I'll get you guys in touch. I think you'll have a good time. <laughs> All right, Adrian. Hey, have a nice day, and then we'll be in touch soon. Sounds great. Thank you, sir. You bet. Bye-bye. Every Friday afternoon, I hitch up the trailer. Saddle up old rock and ice down a cooler. I drive that old back road until it ends at the rope and pin. We got them rusted out pickups and fancy rigs $20,000 horses, then there's my own stick Although we're all the same The minute we ride in to the roping pen can tell someday I just might be we'll turn a few steers and we'll tell a few lies kick back in the saddle and philosophize most of life's problems yeah we're gonna solve them down at the roping pen Yeah, we don't do it for the money Yeah, we're always broke Just ask Clint what he paid a rope Now he's lost a dozen wives Half the fingers on his hands To the rope and pain And it takes a little skill And a little luck If you can talk smack You can back it up Oh, but we're all friends no matter who wins, down at the roping pen. Well, I ain't no play or speed. But I give her hell, hey, you never can tell. Someday I just might be. We'll turn another pen of steers, tell a few more lies. Drink another beer and hypothesize most of life's problems. By God, we're gonna solve them down at the roping pen.
We'll see y'all again Next weekend Down at the Roman Pen